Agile Weekly Podcast. I'm Jade Meskill. I'm Roy Vanawater. I'm Clayton Langelzigic. And I'm Derek Neighbors. <laughs> Very <All> nice. Right. <laughs> so, Derek, you had something you wanted to talk about. What was it? Yeah, um, you know, I've been doing a work with a number of teams, and one thing that I'm starting to see um, emerge as a pattern is that teams uh, struggle to go fast, and they struggle to work within, uh, particularly within the Scrum framework, a lot of times uh, when not only are they siloed where they've got developers and QA that are separate, but where they don't have a lot of automation. Um, This could be automation around deployment. Um, This could be automation around testing. So maybe they don't have an automated test suite, or if they've got some automated test suite, there's still some manual regression happening. Or even if they have a fully automated suite, they're not um, running it automatically, right? They're not having continuous integration, or it takes an enormously amount of long time uh, to build. And what I'm finding is it's very, very hard for them to see what performance looks like because they can't get over the concept of uh, their current reality, right? So the current reality is, hey, it takes uh, five days to run a test suite. There's no way we could have a one-week iteration. That's just impossible. It takes us one week just to test once a developer is done with a feature. Right? So have you guys seen instances where maybe the current reality or lack of automation makes it so teams just find, you know, I had somebody specifically today tell me, that's really nice that you can talk up, stand up there and talk about a 10-minute build. But frankly, there's no way you've ever done that before because I've worked for five different companies and none of them have ever been able to do that. So I find what you're saying impossible to yeah. believe. This is a bad time In to fact, mention. We have a 10-second build. Yeah, I, I agree. I, I've struggled so hard to get a build to take 10 minutes. Right. Uh, I, I, don't, I don't believe it's possible. <laughs> in, in, you know, in their current reality, I understand that. I mean, if, if you're a manual regression tester and you've got a fairly complicated suite and it's taking, you know, two or three days to run a single test plan, I can understand how it feels impossible that you could, with any level of comfort, run a test suite under 10 minutes that made you feel like you weren't shipping crap. Yeah, yeah. but we're working with the team right now. When we're not working with working microphones. <laughs> That's right. We're working with a team right now that a single test takes two weeks of constant computation. Yeah. A single test. Yeah, and I've seen that a lot of instances where the technology gets in the way. You know, if you've got a Java applet that loads um, a Swift, like how do you automate testing of that content, right? And so that seems like this impossible thing. And I think a lot of people will say, well, that's, you know, it is what it is, throw my hands up in the air, and what else are we going to do but let those regression people, those hourly regression people slave away at, you know, typing in commands and looking at the screen, right? Well, I think that's one of the, so, like, uh, like along the idea of, of trying to test like a flash app, I think that's one of the the first mistakes that immediately causes your test suite to get larger and take longer, regardless of whether it's manual regression or automated testing. And that's when you write the test case last after everything is done. Yeah. Because when you write the test case first, you end up using solutions that are easier to test. So you don't run into those. That's one of my favorite things about doing um, like not even to TDD, but just test first where you have to take into account the what's easy to test and what isn't. Um, and so I'm working with a team that has, um, a fairly large fitness test suite and you can totally tell that the way that they went about using fitness to write uh, these more like acceptance or like higher level tests 
it's because it was so difficult to test at the unit level. The only thing they could do was test the big black box of spaghetti code. But they were all written after the fact. And so if they were trying to do more of a TDD approach or write unit tests, it would have been so impossible to write any tests whatsoever. If they actually were dedicated to that, they would have had to solve that problem in the first place. Um, but I think it's I think the reason that like automation doesn't get um, more, I don't know, it's not more popular is because a lot of times teams get uh, rewarded for effort. Uh, Jade and I were talking about this the other day that there's a lot of things that if you're a programmer, like if you're not, if you're using a lot of effort, that probably means you're dumb. Like you should be so smart and lazy that you can do a lot of things automated, right? But if you work in a system or an environment where you get rewarded for staying up till five in the morning working on some stupid thing that should be automated, you know, I don't know what that, what incentive do you have to automate things? You know, you're right. going to get, you're going right. to get clapped for and pat on the back if you put a lot of effort into stupid things. So I think human nature wise, that seems to make sense. That's like a rational decision at that point. Yep. Yeah. If you're putting in a lot of effort, it must be important. Yeah, exactly. The, the other part that's really difficult, especially when you code a test after the fact, is to justify the expense of writing a test because you have this working piece of software that your user could be using right now. Why not just release it and then not worry about the test? Well, and I've heard the, I've heard regression teams be referred to as backstops and like <laughs> people make like a, a baseball analogy metaphor. Well, it's like, you know, the catcher is supposed to be there to catch the ball, and that should be fine, right? And that's, I think, what the, the developers think of themselves is like, we're going to do this thing where we're going to write something, and I'm going to look at it, and I'm pretty sure it works, right? And that's kind of the catcher. But in case, like, there's some wild, crazy pitch edge case, it gets past me. Well, at least there's a backstop. But pretty soon, like, they stop trying to catch the ball, and everything's just the backstop. Like, I think mm-hmm. that's what happens. Like, why would you spend the extra time to make sure that no bugs or no defects or no problems or no nothing ever got to the regression team? Because they're always there, right? And you, like, you know they're going to be there. And if something goes wrong, like, wouldn't you rather someone blame them than blame you? Right. Like, well, then, a, and then you get into that whole, like, QA developer rivalry, too, where you're like, you hate them because they're making you do more work. Like, you don't get to work on new stuff because they keep uncovering the, the crap that you wrote earlier. I, I really like the... Um, the way that some people in the QA or testing or whatever community talk about testing versus checking, where checking, you know, those are the things that a computer can do, um, you know, making sure that, you know, this algorithm works properly in these different cases and whatever. Uh, I really like that idea, whereas testing is more about, like, heuristics and looking at, you know, how does the system function and what do I expect to happen and what, what people perceive and how is it consistent with the rest of the thing. Like, all the stuff that you actually need a human brain for, um, I mean, I think those are valuable things that people can be working on, actual people. But everything else really should just be automated. It's all, it should be, should be automated right. checking. You posted, well, a, you posted a really awesome article, uh, I think, at the beginning of this week about uh, a case where a company neglected to um, use automated, uh, automated deployment in this case instead of automated testing. But another case where something is done repetitively and uh, there was an opportunity for automation that wasn't taken. And in this case, I think well, it, it ended up costing that company $465 million. Yeah, some trading company, right? Right. We'll, put, we'll attach the article to the, to the description. But it was, it was pretty crazy. Like, they break down exactly, like, what happened. And it, it ends up being, like, we just didn't automate something that could have been automated. And yeah, now, so, now it's human error it, it comes into play. You know, I, I, see, I see some, you know, funniness in that um, one of the things that had come up in some discussion today, too, was... Well, you know, one of the things that QA is really incredible for is our business rules are so complex that nobody understands them. Literally, (laughs) nobody actually (laughs) understands the business rule. So the great thing is what we do is we have QA. What would happen is you would write a story. You would basically code the story as a developer 
And as you code the story as a developer, my fantastic test plan is going to cover every edge case so that I can actually tell you how you didn't understand the business rule. And so when I think about that, you know, it's not, it, it's such a fallacy. This stuff is so difficult that we're going to have humans try to remember how it works, right? Like, I'm a human. I know that doesn't work. That sounds like, like the exact opposite of how it should be. Right, where if it's super complicated and you've got this thing, shouldn't you have the computer be checking that it's the mm -hmm. right thing and then make it happen fast so that I can get immediate feedback, right? And that's what I was kind of saying is, well, the problem is that if I go and I code this thing up and it takes me five minutes and I hand it to you to run your test plan and it takes you two days to give me feedback, that's really irritating. What if I could run a 10-minute build and get that feedback immediately and then make an adjustment? And that's when it just blew up into, you know, it's impossible that you could ever have a 10-minute build. And then I think the second part, I think that the, the thing was, okay, great, well, then what happens? If we really automate all that stuff, then what happens to us is a, a manual test team where we're still going to have to do a bunch of stuff, right? And I think if we look at the some of the best companies in the world that are really doing continuous deployment well, they're they're not having manual testers test. They're having real users test. And they're, you know, when they deploy something, they deploy it to a small set of people or to a small set of systems, run tests on them and continue to get feedback and continue to let things deploy as they get more and more feedback. And I think, you know, in order to be competitive, especially in the kind of the high tech space, you've got to get to the point where crap's automated, man. Like it's, I just can't, I just can't see hanging with the big dogs if you're sitting out having manual tests. Well, like I, I just don't think it's reasonable anymore. There, there's actually a ton of freedom and liberation in having those things automated, right? The, sure, yeah. There, there's no need to have human slaves that are doing that. Right? I've, right. I've been reading a lot of Buckminster Fuller, and he talks a lot about freeing the human race from being muscle reflex machines, right? That, that, that's, what, that's what computers should do for us. They should free us from having to worry about those type of details and those repetitive motions that, you know, can can be fully 100% right. automated. Many of those QA people are valuable people that could be contributing so much more than just a menial task. Right, than following a script a and clicking buttons. Right. Yep. Yeah, so, I, mean, I mean, one of the things I kind of brought up is that in, in many instances, the QA um, people have the largest amount of domain knowledge in the company, right? They yeah. should be the front and center of helping define the product and helping work with customers because they're the ones that understand the product most intimately, right? And so instead of putting them out there, uh, helping them make the pro product better because of their understanding of the product, instead we have them doing the menial labor of kind of like sweeping the shop floor every night, which is just ridiculous. Um, so I think one thing that maybe we're glossing over a bit is, you know, if you already have some big kind of legacy kludge system that isn't very well, you know, there's, there, it's not very well tested, maybe it has a big manual test suite, um, you know, what is, like, what is the first step in fixing that problem? Or how do you even start automating things? So one, one of the things that I've been recommending just because it's something that comes up is at the beginning of the sprint, the testers don't have a whole lot to do. QA doesn't have a whole lot to do because there's no code ready for them to test, right? So normally what the, what what they'll do is they'll start to write their test plans, right? Like do the shell of their manual test plans. And then what happens is the end of the sprint, the developers don't have anything to do. And, and this is one of the big complaints about Scrum on teams that work like this is, hey, it really sucks because I don't have any, you know, I waste my time because, you know, there's three days left in a two-week sprint where I'm not allowed to do anything because I can't bring new work in because there will be no time to test it. 
So what do I do with my time? And so a lot of times I'll see Scrum Masters say, well, what you should do is you should go help the testers by running manual tests. And so what I've been recommending is you should help the testers by helping them automate the tests that they need to, to be writing. Or you should go be finding code that is the most complicated code that causes you the most grief and you should be writing tests around that code. Right? So in, in that time that you really can't go grab new code because you won't have time to test it, you should be helping the team move towards automation, right? starting to, to create that path and create those good habits. The other thing that I tend to say is, at a bare minimum, start unit testing all new code you write. Yeah, yeah. I think that one, even that's pretty hard, right? I think that's, the one thing I always tell people if they want to go towards automation is that it's probably going to be 10 times harder than you think. Like, yeah. I think a lot, for a lot of people, it's kind of like, okay, we have the manual tests, I can just automate those. But then you start doing that. Um, if you want to make good choices, you end up getting into a point where you really do have to go back and like relook at a lot of the stuff, and it, it takes some, you know, uh, skill. Some skill to be able to go in and look at a, you know, some legacy code base, you know, and legacy the, whatever stuff I wrote two weeks ago kind of thing, mm-hmm. and be able to go in there and say like, where can I add some tests, or how can I, how can I pin this code down so that I can actually test it and get it under test so that I am confident in that test suite. Yeah, but if you if you do have humans doing testing by clicking around. Those are those are some really easy places to start automating. There's lots of great tools out there to automate the clicking around and report exceptions for you. Uh, I showed that at the last place I was coaching at, uh, we ran into this problem where they had a huge legacy system, and I started showing the the regression testers how to use Selenium and and some tools. and And there was definitely a lot of challenges in just getting the environment working, but it, they were able to automate the like the the 80% of the everyday stuff, right? right? And, and that freed them up to make much better contributions. Yeah, for all the people that have the excuse of our environment is so specific that we can't really um, test it in automated fashion, I, I am willing to pretty much guarantee that there is probably somebody else that ran into the same problem, was sick of it, and came up with some way to deal with it. And it may not be pretty. Like we saw like crazy hack together solutions using all sorts of different technologies to try to get something to work, but it still beats having human beings like click through that stuff and, and then I think the second thing is where I see a complete lack of automation that causes a lot of teams pain is around deployment where the deployment process is so painful and every time somebody deploys they screw something up and because every time they do something and they screw it up nobody there's a bunch of process comes out about it right like so now you're not allowed to deploy you have to fill out a form and you have to go before a deployment board and you know only certain people have access to the production environment and like just cascades into you know it takes two days to deploy a five minute change right are, are you guys seeing stuff like that anywhere um yeah i think there's a lot of rules that end up getting put around deployment but again it's a lot of the similar it's the same stuff where you can't automate it because of some usually like silly technological problem um people just don't know how certain things could work uh or there's some like fear around it where you know we can't deploy um automatically because if we do that then we won't get the uh release notes and user update information out in time and like coordinating a bunch of different departments that are you know all doing things kind of in a dumb way uh that you could uh solve those problems but people usually just avoid that like we we only deploy every so often so I'd rather just do it manually you know, we'd rather pick one poor person that has to stay until nine o'clock to press the button than fix the problem. You know, it's easier yeah. doing that. And, and I think I think maybe some of that in in the the manual test thing as well is people don't even know the tools exist. 
right? So I, I think that's part of it. It seems so scary because I don't, I've never seen it done before, so I, I don't even know that tools exist to help make this stuff easier. Yeah, it does look like magic, right, if you've never seen it before. Yeah. If you're a Windows developer. <laughs> <laughs> and on that note, uh, that's all the time we've got for today. Thanks for listening to the After Weekly Podcast. Is there something you'd like to hear in a future episode? Head over to integramtech.com slash podcast where you can suggest a topic or a guest. Looking for an easy way to stay up to date with the latest news, techniques, and events in the Agile community? Sign up today at agileweekly.com. It's the best Agile content delivered weekly for free. The Agile Weekly podcast is brought to you by Integram Technologies and recorded at Gangplank Studios in Chandler, Arizona. For old episodes, check out integramtech.com or subscribe on iTunes. Need help with your Agile transition? Have a question and need to phone a friend? Try calling the Agile Hotline. It's free. Call 866-244-8656.